Howdy, everybody. I'm Bruce Swan. Welcome to my podcast, Music My Mother Would Not Like. We'll be interviewing artists and getting a little bit deep into some of their projects, and most of these will be lifted from or cobbled together from interviews I've done previously with other artists. This time we'll be sitting down with Mark Arelli and talking about his great new record, one that's been fantastic and well-aired on WPKN and other programs I've been involved with. It's called Blindsided, just recently released this year, this awful year of COVID, but glad to be sharing it with you. We will periodically you'll hear we're going to drop in a track or we'll drop in the side and we'll write back. Not going to happen. We will not be sharing any of the music this time with Mark Arelli. We will just be focusing on the words, the stories behind the album. Great album, Blindsided, right here on WPKN. Big thanks to all the supporters of this radio station. I appreciate it very much and a great honor to be part of uh, this list of wonderful, competent, and capable podcasters. We'll be back in a little bit with Mark Arelli. We're back. I'm Bruce Swan. We're joined via telephone with Mark Arelli and chatting about this brilliant new record, Blindsided, on Soundly Music, just recently released. Mark, thanks for taking some time and welcome to the radio program. It's good to be hanging with you and, and chatting up about this beautiful record. Well, it's so great to be quote unquote here with you this morning. <laughs> Isn't that isn't that a trip in and of itself? This concept of here during the pandemic times, and you know what what's in the studio, what's recorded, what's actual, what's um, but it's all it's all good and it's all working and, and grateful for technology and making this happen. You know, I really I think this is a, a great record. This eleven track song it seems intensely personal as I listen to it through and through and go back and start delving into particular tracks like Careless or Rose Colored Rearview and, and Blindsided. I think it's, once again, really a great record. With the pandemic and really completely arresting most reasonable touring, was there ever any plans to delay the release? Did it just, you just said, oh, I got to go for it? Or did you, you know, what was the what was the, the timing for all of that and how the release worked in? Well, um, we had, you know, these days when you release a record, there's just so much groundwork that has to happen in the months leading up to the record. Uh, you really kind of start laying that groundwork um, as much as six months in advance of the, uh, the proper release date, which is just ridiculous, but uh, that's what it takes to kind of build up to the point for at least an artist at, at my kind of level to, to have a shot at just kind of getting people's ears for a little bit uh, around the actual release. So we had already been working for three or four months at, at least by the time that the uh, pandemics appeared on our radar. And we'd already released several singles and uh, it just, it didn't feel, it, it felt like we were going to get all the attention, you know, that we were going to get up to that point. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it just felt like, you know, why, why delay it at this point? Like then we have to compete with not only other records and other media, but you know, a, a pandemic, we might as well release it now. And I think it was the right call because we it came out on March 27th, which was kind of fairly early in this, and it was it was still kind of a, a bit of a novelty. Uh, I hate to use that word, but the, everyone's kind of situation was kind of so almost unbelievable. Like, wait, we're all just home and inside now? Like, there there was a sort of novelty kind of cabin fever to it. And everyone was just really looking for things to consume, you know, shows to watch, movies to watch, music to listen to. And so I feel like we kind of caught that um, 
you know, caught that wave at the beginning before everybody realized just how, uh, you know, how much longer this was going to last. Yeah, I, um, I know exactly what you mean. I, I had planned to come, um, I live in Connecticut, and I'd planned a, a three-day weekend in Asheville, and I've been here ever since March 20th. It was a three-day weekend. And it was, oh, wow. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, it, when, when everything closed up, it closed up, you know, real tight. And um, so getting back and forth is no longer a possibility at this particular moment until at least we have a, a better grip on this on the virus and all. But, yeah, it, it has been an absolutely bizarre, strange, strange time, no doubt. Well, let's do this. Um I want to drop in the first five tracks, but was it good to get back to working on original material after mixtape two years before? Was it, you know, were you just kind of ready? Was that a, a one-off project? I mean, how was, how, you know, how was it to get back to doing your own stuff uh, straight through? Well, I mean, I, I never really think of it in those terms, I don't think. And, uh, like, I don't, I don't make so much of a division between my songs and somebody and, and like, a cover song. Like if I'm going to cover something, I'm going I'm going to cover it uh, and get inside it to the to the point where I almost can convince myself that that I wrote it, you know. And mm-hmm. obviously, like I know I write like Ophelia or Roy Orbison's Crying, you know. I I intellectually know that, but when I'm singing those songs, it doesn't feel that that way at all. I feel just as deeply in, inside those songs as I, as I do my own. Um, but you know. To, to your point, the originals were kind of accumulating, and I kind of caught a little bit of a songwriting wave at some point in, in there between 2016's uh, For a Song, which was all original, and then um, 2018, when we started recording Blindsided. Uh, in those two years, I just I had a lot of a lot of songs pile up, and you know, after a while, you just think, I, this, these are things I'd really like to say and share with people, you know, so it kind of, it kind of builds up to the point where you just can't help yourself. <laughs> you just got to get back in and do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and sometimes that means covers, and sometimes that means your own stuff, you know, it does, I don't, I don't make too big a distinction, uh, I don't think. Well, let's do this, let's drop in the first five tracks of, of this great album, Blindside, we'll start with the title track, Blindsided, Can't Stand Myself, A Little Kindness, Her Town Now, and Stranger's Eyes. We'll be right back with Mark Arelli. Hey, we're back. I'm joined via telephone with Mark Arelli. We're talking about this great new record released in March of this calendar year called Blindsided, and we'll delve a little bit into the the EP that came out after that, or in sort of a compendium. But besides a throwdown match with Peter Mulvey and Ping Pong at Passim's, how have you been spending your time. I was, I was reading Peter's website the other day, and he was talking about some of the projects that he's involved in in Passim, and one of those was a ping-pong match um, scheduled to, to be with Peter. I thought, this is extraordinary and, and well worth a, a, a question. Yes, of course. This is uh, That was the internet content that uh, this entire year has had been building up to. <laughs> the first, first ever live-streamed ping-pong match from the venerable uh, folk club, Club Passim. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, basically this time has just been finding, trying to find, uh, new ways to connect with people and, um, and, you know, all the stuff, uh, I'm, I'm stuck at home here too. So a lot of the stuff that I'm doing is just very, very basic stuff that I either had not been doing much of, uh, or had only been able to do intermittently, um, 
like, uh, you know, just household stuff. Um, but, you know, every time we have to engage, we, every time we try to engage with our audience these days, it's, you can't just go to a new town and do, do like a similar thing. You can't find something that works and then, you know, keep doing that because everything goes everywhere and is available forever. <laughs> so, you know, after a while, people might, if you do the same show, people might think, you know, oh, I've seen that already because they have. And they stop tuning in, you know, and you want, you want to connect with people. So you, a lot of the time it's just spent kind of thinking of like, well, what, what next? What can we do now? You know, um, with the very limited tools that we have, you know, it's, it's not like I can just go and connect with different musicians and, uh, and play in different places or work in different studios. Mm -hmm. We have to kind of, you know, work with the same kind of minimal, toolkit that we just have readily available around the house <laughs> yeah so it's, the constraints are uh, are real and uh, at times frustrating but they can also uh, inspire uh, a degree of creativity that you know that you might not otherwise be able to achieve just because you know when when everything is possible it's kind of hard to know where where to go or what to do but when you have these constraints they can kind of define you in very interesting and creative ways well, when you think about it, it's it's um, more or less, or it is not more or less, it is the first time that anything like this has happened in modern history. We can't go back to the playbook of the early 20s because it's not relevant. Uh, we're really in, in some respects, a marvelous um, time period of, of creativity and options that, that normally do not present themselves. And I think it's it's been very interesting to see how um, both performers and fans have reacted to this time period and and we've had a chance to really kind of get to know our, our artists a little bit closer or see a little bit more of them or see them in a different light as opposed to um, for the most part we see an artist maybe once or twice a calendar year now maybe if you live in the same region or the same area you may have an opportunity to see that artist a little bit more frequently but now we get to see a great deal of our of our favorites and i think that that has been one of the highlights if if that's the correct word for this this pandemic it's, it's been great to see how some people have reinvented themselves or presented themselves as opposed to there's been some that have just said don't call me until this is over you know i don't i don't want to hear from you yeah i do i daydream about um those kinds of artists sometimes <laughs> i mean truly like it i do i do believe and feel all of the things you were just talking about how wonderful it is to to connect with people and I, and I have been I I remain I I remain strangely uh affected by like multiple person zoom calls. I don't know what it is. I used to think that oh that sounds horrible, but every one of them has been so great and and touching just to, to see these friends and and whatnot. But I I will say that uh you know I do. I get tired. I get very tired of um, trying to figure out what to do next and what to, you know, what to offer people. And there are times when I just like, I just want to sit and yeah. watch something or do nothing. <laughs> um, and you know, I think coming into the winter, at least up here in New England, that's going to be a challenge to uh, figure out, you know, how to how to stay engaged at a very isolated kind of naturally isolating time of year. Um, so I think I kind of 
ping pong, if you will, between uh, the two extremes of, you know, wanting to reach out and connect and, and be the person or the artist that people, you know, people might need. Um, and then also just wanting to, like, hang out with my dog and my kids and my wife and not really, you know, deal with any of this nonsense. So, I, ask me, it depends on the day of the week, really. <laughs> right, right. Like, what's your favorite song? I don't know. It's um, It, it depends. Like, which is my favorite kid? It just depends exactly. one, one particular moment but um let's the you also released five tracks um blindsided acoustic selections had that always been part of the plan the master plan for this record or did that sort of morph what was the what was the, the cause on that no that that was um th- that's something that would have just kind of naturally happened i think if i'd gone out on the road i had um a whole kind of full band format uh tour uh, booked twice and canceled twice, um, and, but I'm sure that at, you know after those initial album release shows had happened, I would have gone back to places or gone to other places uh, as like a solo act mm-hmm. and just you know these songs work just as fine with me and an acoustic guitar as they do with a full band. And um, there's just something that happens with with digging into your your material and inhabiting it. Um, in a different way or in a different play place every night that just causes it to evolve in really interesting and cool ways. And, um, that, that process actually, that's one of the things that I've, I've really grieved in, in this time is that I, I really wanted to dive into the, this material, um, you know, night after night. And I wanted to, to do it in differing contexts of how I was feeling and, you know, what my mood was and the, the locale that I was with and the kind of the vibe of the audience. I mean, all that stuff kind of combines to create this, this novel version of a song every time it's performed. And obviously we can't do that right now. So the acoustic selections project was, um, was just kind of an attempt to, to see like, okay, well, can we, can we kind of guess at how these songs might evolve, you know, a hundred shows down the line. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was an interesting, it was an interesting experiment, and uh, and I'm I'm really proud of, of the way they came out. And uh, if folks listen to it, you know they'll they'll hear a whole range of approaches from songs that are are just radically changed to some songs that are just basically the same but without the band. So you can kind of hear what it is I, I w- I've been doing all along, you know, and, and that's kind of the way the process tends to happen. I mean, I particularly enjoyed The River Always Wins as both acoustic and full band. I thought that that really worked well in uh, yeah, both tracks. Yeah, absolutely. That's the one, too, that stands out to me as the kind of radical tr- transformation of, you know, what's what's possible um, and and still still getting the song across, but in a totally different uh, different format. Yeah, I think that when you strip strip it down to singer songwriter, person and guitar, um, and then compare that to full band, you really do get the essence of the song. You're able to hear it. You're, there, are, I, I hate to use the word distractions, but I guess there are certainly fewer things to concentrate on when you when you compare singer songwriter to to full band. Um, you really do get the essence of the song, as you said, and really be able to focus in on the lyrics and um and separate the two and i think sometimes with a full band there's just a lot of sensory things happening at a gig and and um you know so i I think i enjoyed it i I would agree with that and you know the interesting thing about that too is that 
a lot of those things that are uh, a lot of those sensory inputs that are happening in a full band arrangement are um, they're not all happening on the conscious uh, brain level you know something like rhythm or groove you know that that kind of seeps into us kind of under the level of conscious thought that is something that I, I believe is just deeply ingrained in our experience like as a species you know so that you can focus on the groove and and really you know kind of be moved quote unquote by the groove um and be so lost in that that you don't even hear the words you mm -hmm. know and and i think it's funny as someone that spends an inordinate amount of time <laughs> writing compelling lyrics uh, i've just come to realize that a, a lot of people they never even they never even really hear the words and uh I, I think there's some part of me that's indignant about that, but you know, overall, I, I kind of get it now, and I kind of, I kind of love that about about songs. How you can kind of go into them as deeply or as intentionally as you as you choose, and you can still come away with something. Sure, it was like the person that knows every single lyric to every single one of your songs and hasn't listened to to any of it. Like they can sing every single word. You know, you're up there singing, yeah. they're they're singing, and, and they haven't they haven't heard a word. They've listened to it, but they just yeah, you know totally. They, they, or they, they don't know who the guitar player on the track is. And it's like, how do you not know that? That's an amazing guitar solo, you know. But we all we all experience it differently. It's it's, uh, and I think that's a good thing, you know. There's, there shouldn't if there's only one way to kind of experience something, it gets to be a little inflexible and dogmatic and and you kind of lose interest in it pretty quickly let's let's get into the second half of the record and i again this this album blindsided i think is is brilliant through and through 11 great tracks the record feels um intensely personal and um you know, I, I don't know your personal history, but you said the word wife, and I thought, okay, good. This is this is good um, because some of the, some <laughs> yeah, of these songs, has a wife. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you never know. Some people are um, really pouring out their heart and laying out what's going on, and others people can can kind of get into a song and absorb that feeling. And then when the pen is down, everything goes back to to the way it was. And others, you know, there's there's still they're still grieving the girlfriend that they lost at sixteen, you know, and they're fifty. So. Yeah. You know, I was just waiting for the word, and I was like, "Okay, we're we're, we're things are good. Things, you know." <laughs> oh yeah, no, this, this these songs. Um, I mean, these songs are just basically about the you know kind of fighting to kind of live a good life, you know. And it doesn't just happen. Uh, I don't think for anyone, you have to really advocate for it, and you know, for lack of a better word, fight for it. And there's times when you know you're noble and. Uh, and brave and righteous and there's other times when you know you're not your best self and uh you're maybe you know smaller than you should be and uh I, I tried to put all of all of those moments uh in the songs or tried to write songs that that kind of reflect all of those moments so so the whole collection is is a, is a reflection of this you know kind of the, the entire arc of you know what it's like to kind of try and try and still still live a good life and 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 with a, a wife and a family um and then the, each song you know it's it's they're kind of these snapshots or the or the moments of these times when you know that might have been really great or they might have been really challenging and i think you know all those things are parts of a, of a normal life and you know i like it when when they're reflected in, in the art as well the record really lays out i think as a vinyl album might have been 
um, the the six tracks on the first half and the six tracks of the five tracks on the second half or vice versa. Uh, is there any plan to release it on vinyl? Was that ever part of the plan? Have you thought oh, about yeah, that? Oh it, yeah, it, it is. That's it's on vinyl. Um, two different colors of vinyl, actually, um, and it's that's kind of how I I uh, think of of records and kind of. I won't say I always have because I kind of came up in the age of CDs, um, but the vinyl, I'm a huge vinyl enthusiast and I I really do believe in in that format and that kind of presentation. And uh, so now, you know, I don't actually get terribly excited about the manufacturing of uh, the physical format of a CD, but I really... I really do get into the constraints, like we were talking about before, of the, the vinyl format and how to work with that and um, how to present, you know, the strongest possible album. And uh, and I, I kind of like how you see vinyl's influence and its resurgence kind of influencing uh, artists across the board where you see a lot of, you know, 38, 39-minute records now instead of 76 Sure. records you know because you can fit them on a on a cd there, there's there's very few artists that can sustain you know that kind of quality for for that long well i think that when you release something on vinyl and you do have the, the time constraints because of the, the the size of the 12 inch lp that you get the best of whatever was available as a there seems to be less fill um and, yeah. and leans away from the seat the singles yeah, and and at times like uh, when I put out my for a song record in 2016, I had it was just slightly too long. I, we probably could have crammed it on everything on there, but it just it wasn't working out. I couldn't find a sequence that got everything where it needed to go, and so I had to just take a song off of it, and it's heartbreaking. Um, but it's it, it the record. It, it's stronger. I mean, it's. I, I'm glad that that song was out in the world on the CD, but I took it off and I thought, huh, it's still good. You know, what does what does that mean? You know, <laughs> but the uh, the vinyl the vinyl release, you know, it, it, those constraints present those kind of t- difficult choices for you uh, sometimes, and uh, you know, I I, en- I do enjoy it ultimately. I think Stephen King said, "Killing the darlings." When you when you've finished a project, there's parts that just have to go and that does make it better but it's hard it's it's very difficult absolutely and that happens within songs too you know a lot a lot of um you know for blindsided uh the the ghost of tom petty was loomed very large over this record um he was the the first record you know physical lp i ever bought with my own money uh was tom petty's long after dark and uh i followed him all through uh records and cassettes and cds and digital downloads and then back into vinyl and um you know when he passed away like it just his leg his musical legacy really really kind of haunted me i I, it got it had gotten to the point where i realized that i didn't i kind of took him for granted he had been there my entire musical life and always been relevant and always been cool and interesting and then when it was gone, it was like the rug being, you know, ripped out from under you. And I did find myself when I was r- writing these songs and I would go back and, and try and edit them and tighten them up and make sure they were as good as they could be. I remember thinking, like, you know, what would Tom do? Like, would he, would he need this third verse? And the answer is almost always no. And so, uh, you know, and 
in the in that vein of kind of killing your darlings like i would just yank that third verse from the song and just like you you know you might see it again in a different song you might not but um it was things were inevitably better from from kind of being a fearless editor you know in that way so well, it's been a, a tough year for heroes. You mentioned Tom Petty in the record, and there's certainly hints of John Prine, and I think I've seen that in some of the quotes um, in the record. Yeah. And then Jerry Jeff Walker this past weekend. Uh, I think it's hard to find the right word to describe this, but I've seen a tremendous outpour of, of love and despair and um, sadness and disappointment of current artists that are some are, are, are my heroes uh, reflecting back on the heroes of theirs that that have passed away in your case John Prine and Tom Petty um, Jerry Jeff Walker for me but watching Todd Snyder's presentation over the weekend I mean his his affection and love for for Jerry Jeff Walker is just you know to his core oh, yeah. and and to watch yeah. him you know kind of work through that that pain um, I, I think probably within 24 hours of, of, of the announcement was uh was was quite a presentation it was quite powerful yeah that's a really those are really important things you know i mean my phone i i still have uh i don't know probably 10 dead musician friends in my phone that i can't delete out of my phone and you know some of them some of them get get their due and they get celebrated um but a lot don't and um I don't know. To me, that paying that paying tribute is is very important. Um, you know, I was a kid growing up in in suburban Boston, and uh, my biology teacher in high school turned me on to Jerry Jeff Walker's Viva Terlingua, and that was the first you know quote unquote country record that like a kid from suburban Boston had ever heard, and it opened up this whole world to me. You know, like who, well, who wrote Redneck Mothers? You know, and who wrote Desperado's waiting for a train, you know, like, uh, and so I would delve into that world and I found that of course, like everything, it's, it, 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 and we are all connected. And, uh, yeah, I just, I think it's really important to kind of remind people of that because there's somewhere out there, there's some kid going, Oh, I don't know who Tom Petty is, or I don't know who Jerry Jeff Walker or John Prine are. And but I know who Mark Relly or Todd Snyder or whoever is, and they might you know go back and listen to these these artists, and their lives are going to be enriched, you know, just no matter how you you look at it. It's just it's a it's a way to kind of pay respect and and a way that kind of also pays it forward to people that may not have heard these artists. You mm-hmm. know, they can kind of become new fans after the fact. Yeah, I think I think it's um, for me. There's always something um, painful about discovering an artist and thinking, "Wow, this is really great." And you start working your way through the catalog, and then you find out that that person is no longer alive. That 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 this is what it is. It's not. There won't be anything more than that. Um, there may be articles. There may be compilations. But that that was it. And um, you know, you, th- you think, yeah, "Wow, I've huge. missed out." Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's amazing to hear you mention that because I had that exact experience with the Beatles and my youngest son uh, when he was, you know, two years old, three years old. I didn't want to play him like normal kids music, and so I, I played him the Beatles, and he really, really, of course, just latched onto it. 
and we just worked our way through the discography, you know, and, and he, I think he loved the kind of early kind of sugary pop, you know, song Beatles a little bit more than maybe the, the later experimental Beatles. And I, I kind of felt the same way about that myself and still do. But I remember when we finished the last record and he was like, I want to, can we download the next one? I want to hear the next one. And I was like, there, there are no more. Yeah. And there, ne- there will never be any more. You know, it was, it was like a whole life lesson taught to a, you know, a toddler through the the Beatles discography. It was really, it was a sad but also kind of a very beautiful thing. Well, I think for children, the concept of of more is infinite. Like there's always yeah. more. <laughs> you know, and 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 then to to look at something and say, no, that that is it. It's the end of the series. This is the last yeah. movie. This is this is it. Um, you know, uh, Pooh gets set down. We we he, he's done. He, this chapter yep. is is finished. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, I well, I thought I just thought of like an analog to our our political situation, but I, I won't go there. We'll we'll, we'll keep it keep it light. <laughs> well, I'm sure we ticked off some of the same boxes on the ballot. Let's uh, we'll just leave it at that. Um, let's drop in these last the last tracks from this record. This is fantastic record, Blindside. We'll be right back with Mark Arelli. We're going to listen to Lost in Translation, The River Always Wins, The Western Veil, Rose-Colored Rearview, and Doubt My Love, Careless. We'll be right back with Mark Arelli. We're back. Mark, I've, I really have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, and i got a couple more bits and pieces to chat with. I want to thank you again for your time. The record is smashing. It's a really great record. Um, I wish we'd gotten into it earlier. I'm glad we're getting into it now. And maybe that is one of the the benefits, um, if that's, again, the the correct word for the pandemic, this opportunity to to spend a little bit of time together. Um, And I got to ask, what's what's on the horizon? Is there another record? sort of you're sort of thinking about working on do you always have a a notebook with with songs that you're you're crafting or um will you take some time well yeah i mean let me just circle back and say that i i so appreciate you guys finding the record whenever you do and uh and it just gives me great great pleasure and great pride to be talking about a record uh that i'm really proud of that was released you know just over six months ago and we're still talking about it you know, in interviews and whatnot, that that in a, in today's day and age, when the news cycle turns over so so quickly and so frequently, that feels like a miracle in and of itself. But um, yeah, I, I've definitely been kind of alternated between periods of of really intense inspiration and then just complete um, kind of brain freeze in terms of how to proceed. Like every all the ways that I really all the things that I would really love to do involve getting people together, connecting with people, being in the same room with them, laughing, you know, like yelling at the top of our lungs in, in, uh, in, in a closed space. And that's, <laughs> that's just can't happen. So I definitely, I definitely would love to make a new record. I have been writing, uh, they kind of come in fits and starts and I don't really have any, great way to kind of ground truth them you know mm-hmm. like I'll, I'll write them i try and write them really quickly i do go back and see you know if i can tighten it up and edit it and make it better but that kind of live performance part of it really lets you know like what stuff 
connects with people and which stuff, you, you know, which you might really love doesn't seem to really land and maybe it needs to be tweaked. So that process is kind of a lot harder um, in quarantine and, and in lockdown. But uh, I do have, I don't know, 17, 18 songs that, you know, talk to me on any day of the week and my, my 10 favorites of those will maybe change around a little bit. But um, I would love to make another record uh, as soon as it is as safely possible. And uh, I don't know, I got to say, like, I love folk music. And that's I, I would consider myself a folk singer kind of above anything else. But in this time, like sitting alone with my acoustic guitar, like that, that does nothing for me, uh, in all honesty. Uh, turning up my electric guitar in my office really loud and playing along to, you know, rock and roll on the speakers, like that to me is really the only thing that really makes me feel great. And so part of me wonders, like, maybe, I, maybe I'm supposed to do that on the next record. Like, go, you know, blindsided was a little bit in that, a step in that direction, and maybe we should just kind of try to get a little deeper in. So I don't know. We'll see. It, it really depends on so many things. But I'm, I, I can tell you this: I'm, I'm itching to to continue to to make more more records and to keep creating. So we'll have to figure out a way to make it happen. Well, with with children and having been a musician for as long as you have, the ups and downs cycles of coming and going. Will do you think it'll be? different for them the next time you get out on the road? Will it, will it be strange having been home again, out again, back and forth on tour and the lifestyle that they've grown accustomed to? And now you're home for now seven yeah. months. Um, what will it, what do you think that'll be like when you get back out on the road? Do you think you'll have, you know, short three day runs out and back or will you, will you do the full national tour? Uh, I could do an entire interview on that question <laughs> I really don't know I mean I, I think um, even if we were able to just as a country and as a globe you know have a vaccine and immediately flip a switch and kind of set about the business of getting things back to quote unquote normal uh, I, and I don't think that that's possible but even if it were my life would not return to the way that it was for some time for, for precisely the, the way that you the reasons you you mentioned. Um, my, I mean, I've never slept in my in one place or my own bed for this long in my entire adult life. Never. Wow. And my kids have never known me uh, to be you know around every day with no prospect of leaving at some point, uh, like they have this last uh, six or seven months. And so you can't just you can't just pack a bag and head out the back door and uh, say, I'm going to be back in several weeks. You know, <laughs> It doesn't work that way. Uh, we had work-life kind of family uh, balancing strategies that we had evolved over, you know, 20 years, and they have to be re-evolved at the, on the other side of this. And I don't think it, it, I'm not saying it'll take 20 years, but it's going to take, it's going to take longer than uh, uh, a few months or even a year to kind of negotiate and navigate uh, the the reality on the other side of this. So um, that that kind of bummed me out for a long time, um, and now you know, at, at least on the day we're talking, less than a week before the election, I think I'm just I'm just kind of putting putting that part of my life aside and 
you know we'll deal with it when when the time comes um but uh there there are far more important things that need to be addressed first right. uh, or else none of that other stuff is is going to even happen so um it'll it'll take me a while um but i i guarantee you uh when i do come out on the other side and uh see what it looks like i'm i'm just going to be so so grateful to make music for people. I always have been. I've never taken it for granted. But um, to be able to do to do this for for myself and to be able to provide that service for others is um, man. There's nothing like it. I miss it, and uh, and I can't wait to kind of do it once more out everywhere I can. <laughs> it's probably the best note to finish up on. Uh, optimistic and. Um well thought out mark it's been a real privilege and a pleasure to chatting with you uh this record is is fantastic through and through 11 tracks of reflective um wonderful great music all different all the same clearly hearing your your muses and your influences throughout the record as though they were perhaps standing over your shoulder um tapping you maybe shaking their head or nodding yeah that's that's good let it go and um but great record blindsided thanks so much for your time Bruce, thanks so much for having me. It was a real, real honor, and I'm um, so glad to, we got a chance to uh, dive into the record together.